Hello everyone. Today is the last episode of the season 2. And we are going to do a rapid fire revision of the drugs whether agonists or antagonists acting upon the different adrenergic receptors. It will be kind of a very useful episode for people who are actually seeking or looking out for quick revision. and that too in a very less time especially when you are very very thorough with the drugs speed is very important and speed is what actually makes the episode more captivating so without any delay let's begin the rapid fire revision of the various adrenergic agonists and antagonistic drugs Welcome all to this pharmacology difficult podcast. I'm your host Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find and if there's a question hovering in your minds, is pharmacology difficult? Lend your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. Now to begin with, I have first and foremost the drugs that are alpha receptor agonists. I'll be doing in different categories. So to begin with, we are dealing with the alpha receptor agonistic drugs and in that the first subhead is alpha 1 selective drugs. Well, I'll give you a short list. Phenylephrine, mefentermine, metaraminol, mitodrine, and methoxamine. These are the alpha one selective agonistic drugs. Their prominent pharmacological action or effect is to cause vasoconstriction, and because of this effect, they can be used clinically in ailments like nasal congestion, postural hypotension. As far as nasal congestion is concerned they are generally applied topically the various adverse effects seen with the alpha 1 selective drugs they are reflex bradycardia hypotension dry mouth sedation then again when they are abruptly withdrawn there can be cases of rebound hypertension so i just want to say that uh, other specific points in addition to these most important points like we can say some note to down points about mefentermine and metaraminol are they are indirectly acting to release norepinephrine and mitodrine is a prodrug next coming on to the next subhead that is alpha 2 selective drugs So as far as the alpha 2 selective drugs are concerned the short list of the main important drugs they are clonidine the most important one related to clonidine we have aproclonidine guanfacine guanabins bramonidine then we have alpha methyl dopa these are the most important ones that we have alpha 2 selective drugs coming over to the most important action or effect of these drugs they re- decrease the sympathetic outflow from brain to periphery and that actually leads to decreased peripheral vascular resistance 
and also decreased blood pressure. That is the final effect. Then they are also decreasing the sympathetic release, the release of the sympathetic transmitters which are actually released from the nerve. They are also decreasing the production of aqueous humor. So due to all these effects, how can they be used clinically? Definitely they have very good clinical use. They are used in shock as adjuvants or additional drugs. They are used in hypertension. They are also used to decrease the sympathetic response, especially when there is an attempt to withdraw the narcotics, alcohol, tobacco, etc. And because of the aqueous humor production reduction effect, they are very useful in glaucoma. Then what else do I have to say about alpha-2 selective drugs? Well, topically, we can use aproclonidine, bramonidine for glaucoma and ocular hypertension. And methyl dopa is basically a prodrug converted to alpha-methyl norepinephrine, which is an effective alpha-2 agonist. So, that was all about alpha-2 selective drugs coming over to the indirectly acting alpha-receptor agonists. The short list consists of the drugs like amphetamine, methamphetamine, methylphenidate. Now methylphenidate actually it helps in the release of norepinephrine in the periphery and in the centrally that is why acting on the central effect is causing the release of serotonin, dopamine and also norepinephrine. Now what are the main most important effects why they are so useful? because they cause stimulation or activation of the central nervous system then they are also increasing the blood pressure and they also activate or stimulate the myocardium how can they be used where is they used clinically definitely in the treatment of attention deficit hyperkinetic disorder they can be used in narcolepsy they can be used in the treatment very rarely they are employed for the treatment of obesity and there are definitely very important side effects related to these drugs which are indirectly acting. Alpha receptor agonists, the most important ones are tremor, insomnia, anxiety, hypertension, tachycardia, arrhythmias of the heart and restlessness. That's the most important list of the adverse drug effects that I can give to you. Coming over to some additional points or some additional notable things about these drugs, well, they are scheduled two drugs that you need to remember they are scheduled two drugs and their long-term use can lead to development of tolerance and chronic use also leads to development of dependence when there is some problem or some disease which is underlying in the patient who are administered these drugs they can be cases of hemorrhagic stroke also and if they are used for a very long term, they can sometimes result in some kind of paranoid schizophrenia. Okay, so that's all about these indirectly acting alpha receptor agonists. Coming over to the next subhead, mixed acting alpha receptor agonists. So there's a difference. Indirectly acting means they are acting via the release of certain other neurotransmitters, both peripherally and centrally. While mixed acting are like dopamine, 
which are acting on the receptors like alpha 1, alpha 2, beta 1, D1 and they release norepinephrine. Second important drug in this mixed acting alpha receptor agonist is ephedrine that is acting on alpha 1, alpha 2, beta 1, beta 2. It also causes the release of norepinephrine. So what is the most important effect of dopamine as far as alpha receptor stimulation is concerned? It causes vasodilatation in a large many places like coronary, renal, beds, etc. It increases the glomerular filtration rate and also natriuresis. It can increase the natriuresis. It increases the heart rate and contractility. It also increases the systolic blood pressure. So by all these effects, where it can be used? Any guesses about it? Well, I'll give you the terms. There are no delays. No more guesses, guessing time. So they can be uh, very useful in cardiogenic shock, congestive heart failure, and also in acute renal failure. And if they are used in large doses, then definitely they can lead to some adverse effects like vasoconstriction, restlessness, etc. Additionally, we should know that they are uh, important and very useful because they maintain the renal blood flow and they are to be administered IV, not any other route. Then we come to the, let's talk about the, another mixed acting drug that is ephedrine that I already have told you. Its base, its most important effect is similar to epinephrine, but as far as the central nervous system stimulation is concerned, definitely it's a longer lasting stimulation. Coming over to its uses, it is very useful in asthma as a bronchodilator. Then it is also useful in ailments like nasal congestion and it can be used in the treatment of hypertension and shock. But definitely it has some ADRs related to it. Ephedrine can cause side effects like tremor, anxiety, tachycardia, insomnia and hypertension. It can be given by all the routes and it is not a very commonly used drug. We just keep it for some reserve drug or some additional drug, not a very main drug or very common drug. It's not a very common drug. Then coming over to the next group, major group of drugs. So in that, so in that we have beta receptor agonist. As far as the beta receptor agonists are concerned, there are again many subheads. First of all, I want to talk about the non-selective, that is beta-1 plus beta-2 receptor agonists, which are actually acting on both the receptors. And the most important drug is the isoproteranol. Okay, that is only one drug that we can talk about, which is a kind of a non-selective agonist. Then its effects are like decreased peripheral vascular resistance, increased cardiac output, bronchodilatation, and it can find use in asthma as bronchodilator. It can also find use in complete heart block, cardiac arrest, shock, etc. The most important adverse effects related to this isoproteranol, they are tachycardia, tachyrhythmias, headache, flushed skin, palpitations, and cardiac ischemia in patients which are suffering from, already suffering from coronary artery disease. Then the basic route of administration is intravenous and it can also be given while, via the inhalation route in the 
patients of asthma. So coming over to the next subhead, we have talked about non-selective, let's move to selective ones and that we have the most important and that is the beta-1 selective. We're talking about the beta-1 selective, the drug, the most important one is the dobutamine. Dobutamine is the only and the one most important beta-1 selective drug. It increases the contractility and also the heart rate and also the AV conduction. So where it can be used, definitely in, in treatment of cardiac decompensation, but that's not a long-term treatment. We can use it only for short-term treatments. It can be given in patients of CHF uh, after surgery and also myocardial infarction after surgery. What are the side effects related to dobutamine? Increased blood pressure and heart rate. They can be really a, some problematic situations. It can be given only by an intravenous route and its use should be monitored if the patient is suffering from cardiac arrhythmias or hypertension. Now, coming over to the next most important selective drugs, beta 2 selective drugs. And in that, I'm gonna give you the list. There's a little long list. Albuterol, phenoterol, isoiterine, bitolterol, then levalbuterol, levalbuterol, metaproteranol, then perbuterol, procaterol, then we have terbutaline. These are all the intermediate acting. Intermediate, you understand, they are not acting for a very long time, not acting for a very short time, but in between the long and the short time. And their major use is due to their effect. The effect is the relaxation of the bronchial smooth muscles. Also, the uterine smooth muscles are relaxed. And when they are given systemically, then there is a kind of activation of some other beta 2 receptors also because they are beta 2 selective so they can cause beta 2 receptor activation elsewhere also apart from the smooth muscles and in this way if they are used they can find great use in conditions like asthma COPD because they can be very good bronchodilators then from bronchospasm, they find only short-term use or intermediate-term use. Not a very long-acting, dependable, reliable drug, but yes, definitely it's useful. Coming over to the adverse effects of these long list of drugs. The most important one is muscle tremor. Skeletal muscle tremor, then tachycardia or certain other cardiac problems, especially when these drugs are systemically administered and these problems can be curbed if you give the drug via the inhalational route and not the systemic route so that is one way to prevent some adverse effects up to some extent coming over to the other knowledgeable things about these drugs their use should be monitored when the patient is suffering from cardiac problems and again if you're giving by inhalational route, then the cardiac problems are not a big problem. And they are the drugs with actually the least number of side effects. We cannot say that the side effects are very severe or very like uh, fatal. They have the most mild and the minimal number of side effects. In the same list, that is beta 2 selective, 
we have a subhead also. I talked about the intermediate acting drugs. Now I need to talk about the long acting drugs. And the long acting drugs, we have a little longer list. Not so long, but yes, we have a long list. The most important one, formoterol. Then we have salmeterol. Then we have uh, R-formeterol. Then we have carniterol. Then we have indaketerol. Then we have ridodrine. These are the most uh, knowable drugs in this whole long-acting beta to selective agents. What is the effect? What is the action? Definitely, they call the smooth muscle bronchial, smooth muscle relaxation. Also, the smooth muscle in the uterus is relaxed. So, where they can find their use? Quite similar to the last list, but let us know specifically where they are useful. They are very good bronchodilators in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease that is abbreviated as capital COPD. Then they are very good to choose drugs in the prophylaxis. Uh, why? Because they are long-acting drugs. So they are very good to choose drugs as far as the prophylactic action is concerned. Then uh, ridodrine has a specific use. It can really arrest the premature labor. It can really stop it, arrest it. And not very accountable side effects, but side effects to be known are they are actually not very useful in asthma. Like I told you, they are useful in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease but not very useful, rather they are contraindicated in asthma. Just note it down, contraindicated in asthma and they have a long action and they are favored for prophylaxis. Definitely I've told you all these things. Moving over to the next main head without any stoppage. We are going to talk about the direct acting non-selective agonists on the adrenergic receptors. Okay, we have done with alpha agonists, we have done with beta agonists, we need to talk about the directly acting non-selective agonists, not the selective ones I'm talking about. So the first one we have epinephrine. So what is epinephrine? Epinephrine is active on alpha 1, alpha 2, beta 1, beta 2, beta 3. All the receptors it can actually activate and stimulate and the most important effects they are heart rate is increased then blood pressure is increased contractility is increased cardiac output is also increased then due to vasoconstriction and that is vasoconstriction is an effect that is seen in the viscera but vasodilatation is the most important effect in the muscles skeletal muscles i'm talking about it can also increase the glucose in the blood in the circulation and also lactate the amount of lactate can be enhanced in the circulation as far as the peripheral vascular resistance is concerned it can be decreased up to a certain level not significantly but yes it can be decreased so where are is this epinephrine used in open angle glaucoma it can be used in anaphylactic shock you know it's a drug of choice it is used in complete heart block, in complete heart stoppage, arrest. It is a good bronchodilator in asthma, especially acute. 
and it can be combined with local anesthetic agents to prolong their action okay so definitely it has a lot of side effects the list can be given like cardiac arrhythmias cerebral hemorrhage tremors headache a lot of anxiety restlessness palpitation all these kind of unwanted undesirable effects and these are generally avoided via the oral route and they are drug of choice in anaphylaxis and very good life-saving drugs in cardiac arrest you can say that coming over to the next important drug non-selective directly acting agonist we have norepinephrine what are the what about the receptor account where is it active it's active on alpha 1 alpha 2 it's active on beta 1 much much more than beta 2 so just mind my words beta 1 much much more than beta 2 as far as beta 3 is concerned no it's not active on beta 3 let's move over to the effects it causes blood pressure increase both systolic and diastolic it leads to vasoconstriction it increases the peripheral vascular resistance and the heart rate contraction is also increased by direct action and reflexly the heart rate is decreased just mind my words again reflexly the heart rate is decreased but directly the heart rate increases coming over to its only and one important clinical ut utility and that is hypotension because it's a very good effective vasoconstrictor so the, it's very well used in hypotension and uh, the most undesirable effect is quite similar to epinephrine but we can say hypertension and uh, it is not absorbed orally so better not give via the oral route no need no use it's all in vain coming over to our next most important head and that is alpha blockers alpha blockers first of all the subhead is non-selective alpha blockers and they are actually the classical ones Phenoxybenzamine, Tolazoli, these are the non-selective classical alpha blockers. Their effect is to decrease the peripheral vascular resistance, they also decrease the blood pressure and they cause the dilatation of the veins, that is venodilatation, where they can be used. In the treatment of the excess of the directly acting or other alpha receptor agonists, that is we can say that excess of catecholamines can be reversed or treated with these alpha blockers which are non-selective and such ailments can be pheochromocytoma but their adverse effects are postural hypertension, failure of ejaculation, important failure of ej ejaculation, then uh, if they cause the activation of the heart muscle that is cardiac stimulation there, there can be certain kind of reflexes which actually cause release of norepinephrine and that is due to the alpha 2 receptor block now phenoxybenzamine as one of the drugs that can produce a very long-lasting alpha block and it can also block the neuronal and the extra neuronal uptake of the amines that's the characteristic of phenoxybenzamine. Coming over to the next drug or the subhead, we have alpha-1 selective blockers. We have a long list. Prazosine, terazosine, doxazosine, trimazosine, alfizosine, tamsulosine, salodosine. 
I'm sure you remember all these drugs. And what is their effect? Decrease the peripheral vascular resistance, decrease the blood pressure, and they can cause the relaxation of the smooth muscles in the urinary bladder, neck, and also they can cause the relaxation of the smooth muscles in the prostate. Well, their major important uh, effect is to treat the primary hypertension and they can also use to treat the increased urine flow in the benign prostatic hyperplasia. And the most important adverse effect is postural hypertension, especially in the initiation of the therapy. That is when the therapy begins. We can know that prazosine and related quinazolines, they are very selective for alpha-1 receptors and tamsulosine also is very selective for alpha-1A kind of receptors. Coming over to the beta blockers. As far as beta blockers are concerned, I'm going to talk about the non-selective first and we have really a long list. And non-selective ones, they are the first generation beta blockers. The list is nadolol, penbutolol, pindolol, propranolol, timolol. The prototype drug is propranolol. It causes a long list of effects. Decreased contractility of the heart, decreased cardiac output, decreased heart rate, decreased conduction in the atria and the AV node, increased refractory period of the AV node, but bronchoconstriction, then again, Decrease in the plasma fatty acids. Decreased HDL cholesterol. Increased LDL cholesterol. The good cholesterol is decreased. The bad cholesterol is increased. Where it can be used? A long list of clinical ailments where we can employ beta non-selective beta blockers. There is hypertension, cardiac arrhythmias, congestive heart failure, angina, Pheochromocytoma, glaucoma, HOCM, that is hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, hyperthyroidism, migraine prophylaxis, acute panic symptoms, then substance withdrawal, which are used for the abuse, substance abuse withdrawal, then also they are used in portal hypertension and variceal bleeding. They have a long list of adverse effects, negative inotropy. Decreased cardiac output, bradyarrhythmias, bradycardia, decreased AV conduction, bronchoconstriction, fatigue, a lot of insomnia problems, then we have nightmares, then we have hypoglycemia is prolonged or masked, sexual dysfunction in men and a lot of drug interactions are also seen with non-selective beta blockers. And the effect is directly proportional to the sympathoadrenal tone. Then, uh, because they are caused by bronchoconstriction, they should not be used in asthma and COPD. Then they are of great contraindicated in asthma and COPD. They are contraindicated in diabetics because they prolong the hypoglycemia. Then propranolol and betaxolol have a mem membrane stabilizing effect. And uh, the pindolol, it also exhibits the intrinsic sympathomimetic activity is not very prominent in other drugs. Coming over to the second generation's beta blockers that are beta 1 selective blockers and their list is acid butylol, etanolol, bisoprolol, betaxolol, esmolol and metaprolol. Well, the only difference with the first generation is that they have less side effects 
As far as the bronchial constriction is concerned, their side effects are not very prominent. Therapeutic applications, I'm not gonna repeat. You can just check out the first generation. Actually, they are same. As far as the side effects are concerned, they are quite same to the first generation, but slightly less in severity to the first generation. Again, we can say that their effect is directly proportional to the sympathoadrenal tone and bronchoconstriction is less as, as compared to the non-selective agents and they should be used with great caution and asthma and COPD. Coming over to the third generation beta blockers that are non-selective and we have cardiolol, carbidolol, bucindolol and levetilol. Well, they all these receptors they act on beta receptors also and they block the other receptors also especially the alpha one their basic use is to use in the treatment of hypertension and especially carbidolol finds a great use in heart failure also and uh, additional alpha receptor blockage is seen with levetilol carbidolol and bucintolol they block the alpha one adrenergic receptor then if if you talk about the additional nitric oxide production, it's seen with celeferol, nebivolol, cartiolol. Then beta-2 agonistic properties are additionally seen with celeferol, cartiolol. And the calcium channel blocker property is seen with carbidolol. Antioxidant action is also observed in carbidolol. Other things to know about these third generation agents is that Vasodilatation is seen and they act via multiple mechanisms. As far as the intrinsic sympathomimetic activity is concerned, it's very less in levetilol. And receptor polymorphism, it affects the responses, especially in the case of bucindolol. Coming over to the third generation vasodilators. These are beta-1 selective. So third generation vasodilators are, can be non-selective also and third generation vasodilators can be beta-1 selective also. There are only two drugs as far as the beta-1 selective third generation vasodilators are concerned and these are celeferol and nebivolol. So this was a really long, around half an hour long episode and I just want to say that I tried to be very clear and uh, not uh, giving too much details at the same time giving the right amount of details that were actually required to have in the revision so it's such a big topic the season two whole we can say it's a crux and summary of the season two that is the ans but still ans is such a vast topic that it cannot be summarized in half an hour i tried to do so with alpha receptor agonist and antagonist but at the same time, I would just say that for all the details, you have to refer to the list, the playlist of all the episodes that we have done so far in season two. This is just an effort to have a rapid fire revision of these agents without any stoppage or without any delay, which can be actually of some use to the to those who are revising the drugs and their effects and their utility their side effects and some knowledgeable points about these drugs i hope this episode would be 
quite useful and you like the episode well now it's the officially the end of season 2 and if i got to add some additional topics i'm going to do them under the head of bonus topics and for the season 2 only but at the same time i just want to say that we are approaching 12th of december that is the third birthday of isfarmacology difficult podcast i'm going to do a thanksgiving episode that day for all the listeners for all the appreciators all around and finally wrapping up i would just say for all the updated latest episodes of my podcast please visit www.pharmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine and that is e-newsletter is pharmacology further e-newsletter which is also associated with pharmacology further podcast that contains a lot of updates about medical sciences drug information and much more If you want to see you can just check out the e-newsletter and the podcast. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name is Pharmacology Difficult. If you're listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay alive. Thank you.